Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Okay, we're here. I'll show you. Dude, this is a national ballpark museum. They've got displays about all the great old ballparks, not old ball players. And I do mean old. Hey, that's not what I heard. I heard they got a display that features the first homegrown color Rocky. That would be me. Okay, look, there's Bruce Hellerstein over there. He owns the place. Let's go ask him. Hey, that's fine with me. Hi, Bruce. How's it going? Manny, Mark, good to see you guys. Come on in. Hey, Bruce, Manny here doesn't believe me. He doesn't believe you've got a Mark Knudsen display here at your museum. Well, he's sort of right. Right over here, we've got a display all about the Denver Zephyrs. I'm pretty sure Mark's Zephyrs baseball card is in there somewhere. Oh, his minor league card. I got you. Hey, it's something, right? If you say so. So, you two just come down here to see the displays? Actually, we're getting ready to do our podcast. Oh, wow. That's great. I had no idea they let you back on the air, Mark. What's your show called? It's the Park Adjusted Rockies Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Mark Knudsen and Manny Randawa. Give me a Knudsen. Knudsen! Thank you. The situation is as dire as it's ever been during the three decades of Rockies baseball. And it doesn't look like it's going to get any better anytime soon. The Colorado Rockies pitching situation just keeps getting worse. Injuries, ineffectiveness, bad luck, you name it. So what's the answer? We turned again to former Rocky and pitching development guru Jason Hirsch for some ideas and possible solutions. Maybe return to piggybacking? All ideas should be on the table right about now. Jason has some suggestions and you can hear him next. Right here on the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast, we're back after this. We're back with Bruce Hellerstein, the owner of the National Ballpark Museum across from Coors Field. Bruce, a lot of baseball fans probably haven't been there. Tell them what they're missing. Well, Mark, uh, we're the only museum that is totally dedicated to the old classic ballparks, as well as the history of uh, baseball here in Denver and Colorado. We pride ourselves on being the home of those activities so people can uh, appreciate them and with respect to the old ballparks, uh, I look at it, not only are they classic and built in location, they are American treasures. How can one think of America without mentioning the Fenways and the Wrigley's, for example? Tell them what they got to do to come see you. Well, we're open regular hours from 11 to 5 daily, with the exception of Sunday. And when we have Rocky home games, we will expand those hours as uh, needed. You got to come see it, Bruce. It's a wonderful place. The National Ballpark Museum on Blake Street, just across from Coors Field. Bruce, thanks. My pleasure, Mark. The place to catch all the big game action is at Stoney's Bar and Grill, now with four great locations, including Winter Park and the original at 11th and Lincoln. Great food, great service, and unrivaled game day atmosphere. There's no better place to watch your favorite teams in action. To find out more, check out stoneysbarandgrill.com. Man, as we talk about this season that's barreling towards 100 losses, maybe for the first time in history, uh, we can talk about the, the, hitting, the lack of power, the defense is not quite substandard, but you know what, it still really just comes down to the pitching and the pitching is just not what it needs to be, especially on the starting side. So it's our time. We do this <clears throat> annually with Jason Hirsch, um, the former rock, former Rockies pitcher from the 2007 um, world series team. Also Jason, now, can you, uh, can you go out and throw a few innings for the Rockies? Uh, he might, yeah, might be able to. I, I can, I competently throw strikes at this point. That's all I, we need, no. man. That's no. all we need. Just somebody throw strikes. Under hitting speed, which might be just good enough. Perfect. And you well, know what? Go walk guys to force field. You'll be fine. They got to try something. And I'm going to throw this out from the get-go because this is my new thing I just jumped on. I'm listening to play the Astros the other day. Played the Astros four times, beat them once. And the time they beat them, they bullpenned it. I mean, the only starting pitcher who's, who's beaten Houston Astros this year is Jake Bird. 
right, for the Rockies? Harken back to about a dozen years ago when the Rockies employed something that was very controversial at the time and widely panned. Oh, boy, here we go. We're going to the piggyback. Pulling out the piggybacking. piggybacking. I am advocating for the return for this year wow. of the piggybacking system. Wow. Once through the order, get them out of there get somebody else in three three inning, you know get two starters to go three innings each four man rotation why not at this point jason what do they got to lose well they got more games to lose but i, I mean if you're gonna throw johnny holstaff at i mean you know that that's one thing but i mean that really is bucking a train there's not really any analytical or statistical advantage to going in, in that route i think what you're just trying to do is just minimize the exposure of each yep. pitcher for just long enough to the point where they either start getting hit or recognize, you know, their stuff being recognized and then you're switching it up. Yep. But that's putting a lot of reliability on a whole lot of dudes to throw one and two really clean right. innings at a time. Well, but the strength, and, Manny, we've talked about it. the strength is the bullpen. I mean, the bullpen's better than the starting yeah. rotation. I mean, yeah, the, the thing is, is that the bullpen's tired too. And so yeah. I guess, I mean, I guess that, that maybe you're, maybe you're onto something there, Mark, because, you know, the longer you, you, you know, you, you, if you're going to bullpen games and the bullpen has been stronger and you don't want to, you know, they're already overworked. You don't want to, you know, put too much more strain on them. You, you go with the, you go with the limit on each guy. Right. So um, maybe that is, maybe that, I mean, at this point, it's kind of like what you said. I mean, you're going to, you're losing 105 games this year, whatever it is. And um, you're just trying to, you're just trying to make it through, you know, four Bud black. I mean, Yep. He's got to somehow make it through the rest of the way here. And um, so maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's the way to go. I don't know. It's just, well, you know the thought, when they did it in 2013, the thought was, as, as Jason said, to minimize exposure for guys, but they're also really young at the time. They had a bunch of young guys coming up and they didn't want, they kind of wanted to dip their toe in the, in the pool rather than just throw them to the sharks. You know, manage their, manage their workload. Yeah. Too, right? And I think at this point we've been advocating young, young, young all year, go young, get, trade the veterans and we'll, Talk about that. I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but trade guys, get more young pitchers in there. Almost an audition kind of situation because you look around baseball, Jason, and the teams that have have done this, Baltimore has openly tanked, and now look where they're at. Uh, this organization just seems, well, we know they're reluctant to use the word um, rebuild. They don't. They want to swap on the fly here and see if they can find the right mixture of veterans and, and young guys. It doesn't work that way. It's just not working. They got to try something different. Yeah, I mean, you brought up Baltimore, but Baltimore has also embraced a player development model that is more modern, yep. more in tune with, yep. you know, what some of the bigger organizations are, are doing, right? Whether it's Tampa Bay, you know, L.A., New York, Boston, Cleveland. I mean, these are organizations that have, have grabbed player development by the horns and taken advantage of the idea that Major League Baseball doesn't restrict spending in there. And, and yep. um, you know, the Rockies are at a point right now where they're just throwing stuff up against the wall and hoping something sticks. Mm -hmm, exactly. And they're, you know, they're going to end up with over a hundred losses for the first time in their, in their history. And it's no fault, but their own, you know, your, your, your bright, shiny goal of the year was to be 500. Mm -hmm. And in this point, you're going to lose a hundred games. You might even be 250 by the end of the year. Yeah. And, and, the saving grace is that Kansas City and Oakland are worse than you. Yeah, you're not exactly the 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 seller dweller, although you are in the next. Well, I mean, kind of, because I mean, then yeah, it just worsens. It, they they just make it the situation worse, and your odds worse for the lottery. But yeah. I mean, it, yeah, yeah, you know, but even still, with the lottery, you know, let's just say Baltimore did purposely tank, right? Where you're getting high draft picks. You know, now with the lottery system, nothing is guaranteed. True. You know, and. 
you can go out there and draft the best whatever, you know, Chase Dolander being the best arm that they got in the draft this year. But if you don't have any guys at the player development level that are guiding and shaping and molding him um, and allowing him to have success to come up and be successful at the big league team and contribute, then you've got a problem. If you're going to take Chase Dolander at 97, 98 and shove him in the sinker ball cookie cutter mold that you feel like every pitcher in the organization should adhere to, he's not going to have success. He might get. Let's, let's, let's hit on high. that point though, too. That's, that's the, Great. that's the real point here is that the Rockies have not done well with the player development. That's uh, an understatement. I mean, we pitching, you know, they're, they're, I think, pitching, yeah. pitching in particular. Yeah. So like there there's right now, you know, you're looking at, yeah, I mean, there, there are some position players that you look at right now and you say maybe they're pieces for the future. The guys like Nolan Jones and you know, obviously Tovar is impressed when he come up, but you know, on the Jones position player side, but pitching, pitching wise, there's just, there's nothing, there's a dirt. I mean, there's nothing all the dirt way down right to word. the low minor league levels. And even there, it's kind of like, okay, number one, who's, who's it going to be? And number two, what are the odds that they make it all the way through the system, right. you know, intact? So um, where, Jason, I mean, it's it's the unanswerable question. Where do the Rockies go here from here? I mean, they're going to lose 105 games. You are you're still in the National League West. Um, the Dodgers aren't up and moving anywhere. The Padres aren't moving anywhere. The Giants are doing things that we again, once again, like two years ago, it's not quite the same. But we still don't understand what's going on with them and how they're doing what they're doing. So, what do the and Rockies the, and well, do? And don't forget the team that you think you are on par with, the Diamondbacks. Have oh, they're far. Them. They're they're they've they've ahead of now. Now, yeah. What do you do, Jason? I mean, at, at development wise, I mean, the, the thing, especially pitching wise, because you're the guy, you know, you're the guy that we look to for for uh, for insight in, in this area with developing pitchers, because that's what you do. And what would you if you if, if you got the if you got the gig right now and, and they said you can do what you want with the Rockies, what would you do? Um, I would scrap everything and start over, to be honest with you. Yeah, uh, I would I would look towards bringing in some technology. I would look and bring in some analytics guys. And I would start having conversations with the pitchers that I do have in the system on, um, you know, things that they do and do well and things that they don't do and don't do well. And, and then use the information that I've gathered to figure out how to best direct and, and develop these players. You know, I think the Rockies historically at the big league level, at least have always wanted sinker ball pitchers who keep the ball in the yard. And at this point, if you're going to lose hundred games, I don't think you have anything to lose if you Said, you know what? I'm going to go b- find the biggest, baddest dudes on the that walk the planet that all throw 100 miles an hour with strikeout stuff, and I really don't care how many home runs I give up because I'm going to strike out everybody. I, you know, for the last 25 years, they've just tried to keep the ball in the yard, and in reality, I think they should be working on striking dudes out. They miss bats, right? Because I mean, if you think about it, ball in play, Coors, not a good mix. No matter what happens with it, right? much real estate yeah and you know i think you know the i think the pitchers who have had the most success with the rockies over the years have been guys that have strikeout talent or ability you know marquez is a strikeout type guy um back in the day de la rosa could strike dudes out just about any point in at bat with a split or a curve that he had wipeout stuff or he had that ability you know, a guy like Kyle Freeland is not a strikeout pitcher. He's a pitch-to-contact guy. You know, Which is why he's good for the most part, but then every once in a while he gives up nine runs in three innings. Right. and and, and, and But he's also below league average velocity. I, I know yeah. he's left-handed. And, it's and he's losing some. But, right, you know, at 80, let's call it 88, 89, left-handed, you know, sinker ball type guy, you're you're starting to fall to the bottom end of, of, 
a productive major leaguer. He needs to find some velo and find it fast if he's going to continue to be productive. But like I said, I think from my standpoint is I would try and embrace some more of the developmental analytics stuff, some technology, and utilize that to um, get the most out of my prospects or find value where people don't see value. There's a lot of instances out there of organizations that have found, uh, you know, the Astros, for example, are really Tampa. They find players that are like, you know, plus velocity, but they seem to get hit. They make one little tweak or one minor change, and all of a sudden, they're an all-star. Yeah, it's like it's like in Moneyball, right? When uh, what's his name says to Billy, it's like, hey, Billy, this is so and so, and his only defect is he throws funny, but he's really good, and that's the reason why people don't get him is because he throws funny. Right, and you know, and but I mean, everybody's got their 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 quirks to them. But if I'm a if I'm building a development system, I need like-minded individuals who are willing to embrace this modern age of player development and get away from the old school stuff. I know Mark, that's probably, you know, hurting your ears right now, but <laughs> just a little bit, but yeah. yeah. But Mark, Mark is, Mark is surprisingly yeah. open to this stuff though. He's open. I, I to, think, he's open. I, to I think there's two. He definitely is. And Mark is believe me because Mark sends me his kids from PRA and, mm -hmm. and, you know, and I work with them and, and I know Mark's got an ear to the past and I've got an eye to the future and, and it works. And I think there is, you know, there is a common ground there that that can be found. And, and I, you're starting to see it at Major League Baseball as well, where you know, the last three or four years, the focus has just been on pure velocity, pure power. I don't give a crap whether you throw a strike or not, just throw it hard. And now we're starting to find this, there's this reversion back to this idea of, well, we've got to throw strikes because velocity is no longer getting it done. You know, so now we have to have the ability to work ahead, you know, those absolutes of winning the first two out of three pitches where the metrics change into your favor. Okay. You know, um, there was an article uh, earlier this year in the Wall Street Journal about uh, who's the reliever in, in Baltimore who's who's having a, a great. I know. Uh, yeah. Talking about him, you know, figuring out how to throw strikes. And when he does. Because the guy throws 100. Right. Too, right. With ridiculous movement and wipe out stuff. <laughs> now you add the fact that the dude can throw strikes on top of that. Now you've got one of the best relievers in baseball. Well, you, you've used the word a little bit of a reversion back to some old school principles. And I always thought that they did apply. But, you know, the way baseball works is we find one thing and we just try and blow it out yep. of proportion as big as humanly possible. And then the go, pendulum oh, swings way too far to one side and then it needs to come back. The word, the word you've used in the past is command. Uh, and when we've talked about this kind of stuff, you got to command that stuff, whatever that stuff is, you got to command it. But my but question you is define what command is. Yeah. Well, right? it's being able, it's being able to throw, throw strikes when you want to throw strikes with the pitches you want to throw strikes with. And I, and I would argue to an extent that you may not always have to throw strikes. You just have to throw yeah. pitches that look like strikes. Yeah. You know, major, major league hitters over the years have adapted to velo. Velo is no longer a thing, right. right? Nobody cares that you throw exactly. more. They're still timing it up. Right. And the major average major league pitcher is missing their spot by 10 plus inches. So, you know, hitting spots, <clears throat> one thing, but I think it's, it's now it's come to the point where if we can work ahead and then throw, you know, throw those strike to ball pitches as opposed to the ball to ball that guys used to chase, that's yep. where the, that's where the pitching needs to go because the hitters yep. 
are catching up. Well, and the, and the extra velocity means you have to be less perfect with your location. I mean, that, that's always been the case. You have the luxury you, to be less. Right. Perfect. If you're Greg Maddox and you throw, you know, 85, you got to pinpoint the ball. If you throw 100, you don't have, you have a bigger space to throw to. So, and that's fine. But I think there's a difference, though, that we have to make between starting pitching and relief pitching. Relievers can come in for and blow it out for an inning or two as hard as they can. All the things you've talked about. Starters have to have better command. And we talk about player development. I don't know if the Rockies are are teaching it. A guy like Kyle Freeland could fit nicely into rotation in between two guys that throw 100, right? If you have two starters, starting pitchers with command, different look. six innings at 100 miles an hour, and you stick Kyle Freeland in there in the, on, on Tuesday between those guys on Monday and Wednesday, he's going to have, have success. He's going to be effective. The same way Joe Necro was successful between Nolan Ryan and oh, he's Scott. Kind of um, you need you – need, the Rockies just aren't developing those guys. They aren't developing starters that can give you six innings because that's how you set up your bullpen and don't wear them out. If your starter goes six with the same kind of stuff you're talking about, that's kind of hard to do, isn't it, if, to be a, a Max Velo guy and go six innings all the time? Uh, you know, I think the way the guys are conditioned now, uh, five, six innings shouldn't be a problem. I mean, I obviously the, the pitch clock is going to play a little bit into that because you have less rest time in yep. between pitches now. And I get that, you know, the games are sped up and – you know, I think a lot of guys actually are enjoying the pitch clock. But from a training perspective, if I'm training athletes, I need those recovery systems to start to fire quicker now because I don't have 30 seconds in between pitches. I have 20 seconds or I have 15, 15 seconds, yeah. whatever the, the, the clock is. And so I have to be able to recover in order to give myself a max effort pitch again, right? And so being able to do that over six innings, and let's call that um, – what is that in today's game? Probably an hour and 15, hour 30, yeah. you know, minutes at, you know, let's call it eight to 10 minutes at a time. It's sprint work. You know, it is. You're, you're running a sprint for yeah. 12 to 15 pitches an inning, and then you're going to take a break for a few minutes, and then you're going to go out there and do it again. And so you just have to learn how to condition yourself to do that. And we've Matt, talked about the – oh, go ahead. I was just saying, I think max effort guys that can do it longevity-wise are hard to come by. Those guys are, are growing extinct, right? I mean, those guys are... They're freaks of nature is what they yeah. are, right? And yeah. and I think, you know, like I look at it from a player development standpoint, everybody wants to be, you know, somebody. And, you know, somebody famous. I want to sign a $300 million contract. I'm like, well, there's only one Garrett Cole in the world. There's only one Greg Maddox in the world. There's only one Justin Verlander in the world. Like your odds that you are that guy are astronomically low. <laughs> Think go about the odds just to get where you are, right? Like go be LaTroy Hawkins, go be Lance Lynn, go be the guy who very unceremoniously gets 10 plus years in the big leagues, never makes a all-star team, never signs a big deal, but plays for 10 years in the big leagues. That's Jason, how is Jordan Lyles doing, by the way? Boom. <laughs> right. Jordan Lyles is a hero. I, I tell you what, he's getting more out of a five and a half year Jordan's career like already than anybody. 30? Yeah. Like he's still got another 10 years of doing. Yeah. yeah. But see, here's so Jason, you, you mentioned you mentioned a really good word that I think applies very much here to pitching at Coors Field unceremoniously. On one hand, you've got what you said, which is okay, let's go. We need to we need to really change up the way we do things in terms of the analytics and in terms of figuring out how to maximize and 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 get the optimal type of pitchers that we that we want data wise. Now, what about in their head? Because you pitched here, here, I'm in Arlington, as I say this. Um, well, you, you pitched here, Mark. Yep. Um, it's like, it's, I don't know how, I don't know how people live here, man. It's like, it's crazy. <laughs> but anyway, um, with so 
so anyway, back to it. <laughs> so you pitched in Colorado, Jason. You you understand that when you go up on the mound, and you when you walk off that mound, it's not the same as when you walk off the mound anywhere else in terms of what's on the board and what's acceptable, what's acceptable to you, and what's good for the team. How do you when you're developing guys? How do you get them in a mental space where they can be okay with walking off the mound, giving up four runs or giving up five runs, and being okay with that, feeling like I kept my team in a position where they can win? Because that's what it takes, right, in Colorado. You need to just forget about the back of the baseball card. Well, and I think, you know, that starts early in the process, right, from a sports psychology standpoint, in that that you know, that theme needs to be prevalent in the entire minor league system. All throughout. That means, you know, you need to have, if you're in a player development system, you need to have, you know, like the Cardinals have the Cardinal way, right? The Rockies don't have a way. They just, yeah, they need that. They, they say they do, right? They call it that. They but they don't. They have a cookie cutter that they try and shove everybody into and hope that, you know, two or three guys comes out the other end that are serviceable. They need to have an over, like an overarching philosophy throughout the organization that, you know, at every level they're, they're meeting goals or trying to meet goals to allow them to progress to the next level. You know, one of the things that I loved about coming up with Houston, and this is all hindsight for me because they never really openly said this to me, was that at every level I went, I learned a new aspect of the game that ultimately helped me have success at the big league level, or at least be able to get to the big league level. And, you know, and that started with, you know, learning myself and my mechanics. Then it was learning how to pitch. Why do you throw pitches in certain situations if you've got runners on base? Then when I got to AAA, Bert Hooten, Mark, you know, Bert, yeah. you know, Bert, Bert didn't really didn't do anything. Every time I asked him a question, he was like, figure it out. And that was the lesson was, not everybody's going to be here to hold your hand. Yep. You're going to have to be able to problem solve and deal with adversity and figure shit out on your, on your own so that you, when you get to the big league level, you know exactly what you need to do. And you know how to overcome your inefficiencies or your struggles or whatever it might be. And that philosophy, that system, to me, worked extremely well on me. Do you think these guys are too soft, Jason? Do you think the guys that come out of the Rocky system in that sense are too soft because they – Look, it's not easy to do what you got to do here to be successful in, in Colorado, but nevertheless, you got to have that mental fortitude, I, right? To I, figure it out. The... I think a better term for it, Manny, is defensive. I think they they approach the mm -hmm. game defensively on the mound. They don't, they're not, aggression's not there because they're worried about everything that could go wrong. Well, and I don't know if, I don't know if I would call them soft, and I definitely don't know if I would call them defensive, but I almost feel like they're underprepared. Underprepared, yeah. To, to yeah. pitch at that level, whether they're being rushed to that level at a necessity or they're being put there out of necessity because there's no other option, you know, that the Rock, because nobody wants to come here and pitch, and then they don't have anybody in the development pipeline, so they've got to throw the Connor Siebolds of the world who've never made a start, and now he all of a sudden he's a starter. Or, you know, you're starting to pull guys out of the bullpen that once maybe started in college and go, hey, you got to start for us because we got no other options. Yeah. And I guess this all comes full circle back to Mark's point of why don't they just throw Johnny Holstaff at him every game? Right. Uh, you know, I mean, I wouldn't mind if the Rockies played around with the idea of an opener and then like a like a long relief for for the middle yeah. part and then throw your normal bullpen guys. Um, you know, long relief being your quote unquote starter. Yeah. Um, it may not be the worst idea in the world at this point. I mean, 
you're mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. You might as well start playing with some stuff and seeing if things are going to work. Is that right now there really is no consequence to it. And, 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 and to be clear, I didn't mean soft like Kobe soft, yeah. like the meme. I mean, I, I, I meant soft as in, and I think you guys got it. And caught what I caught my meaning, which is they aren't. That's a good way to put it. They aren't prepared. They aren't. They aren't molded in the right way. Unprepared to pitch in the big leagues for the Colorado Rockets. Right. When I pitched, that's a whole other animal. When I pitched at Coors, I'll be honest with you, I didn't really feel like it played terribly unfair. Like you know, if I I had a bad game, I would have had a bad game whether I was on the road or at home. You know, but again, this is all my my personal anecdotal experiences. I didn't really feel like the ball flew extraordinarily well at Coors Field unless it got hot. When it started getting hot, I noticed balls would jump a little bit more, but most guys who hit a bomb off me at Coors Field would have been a bomb at any other ballpark in, in the country. And that's what Bud Black was trying to get instilled in these guys and, and was successful to a great degree in 2017 and 18 with that young staff where it's like, hey, every time we talk to him, he's like, bad pitch is a bad pitch here, bad pitch is a bad pitch at sea level, it's going to get hit. And, you know, to some degree, that's incorrect because of the physics. But to some degree, in another sense, it's absolutely correct in the sense like what you're talking about, Jason, where two, two things here about that. There are two things. First of all, standpoint. Yeah, they are the same thing. There are two right. things here, though. One, you can make a good pitch here and give up a blue pit that might not be a hit somewhere else. That, mm-hmm. That's part of it. The well, the real estate is the biggest the thing, like Jason said. It's not so much the, the home runs. On the flip side, though. And this is what I always thought when I was in the American League and I'd go play in a place like Tiger Stadium or, or any of the band boxes we played in. Hey, your run support's going to be better. You know, you're going to get you're gonna a chance to win the win the game because maybe you're, you're going to give up four runs in five innings. The other guy's going to give up six runs in five innings because he's not used to this. And so you got to play the, that part of it. That this well, there's another part of that, 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 that there on that side of things is that you got to have an offense that can score yeah, your runs. Well, that's, and that's the problem well, with the Rockies. Yeah, what happens when the that's a different podcast, but yeah. You know, when the, you know, the Rockies have had a power outage for the last two yeah, years. Exactly. Well, I mean, it's like if your home ballpark is Coors Field, my, my, my brother, he's not in baseball. He's in the Army or he's in the Air Force, but he he he, he played college ball. And he's like, he's had a great quote. I might have mentioned it on the podcast before. He said, by as a matter of principle, the Rockies should never be in the bottom 10 of offense, major offense categories. It's just not right. No. And the fact that the Rockies have had what, like you said, Jason, a power outage, mm-hmm. you know, this is, this is the home of the Blake street bombers. This is the, you need to, you need to make this place a, a, a nightmare to visit. It's your best home team. field advantage right. in Absolutely. all of major league baseball. Exactly. And, and that would benefit the, the organization needs to embrace this idea. hundred percent. Coors field is the place where opposing teams come in to get their asses handed to them. The last guy to do that was Don Baylor. He was the yep. last guy to promote that kind of thing. And, and, then, and then, the, then the sole concentration needs to become just play 500 baseball on the road. Yep. Bam. Be That's mediocre, it. Be mediocre on the road, yep. but be Dominated absolute home. killers at Coors Just Field. own it. Just own the fact that you can chalk up 40 losses on the Lead road every it. single year. Yep. Don't make excuses. Don't try and find solutions. Lean into it. Embrace it. Yep. And everybody – and yes – Every East Coast media pundit in the country will be like Coors Field this and Coors Field that. Be like, you know what? We're winning. Look at the win loss column. Right. That's that's the day I'm going to look at the standings and go, you don't like it? Then come in here and show me that I'm wrong. Let's start. Let's shift gears just slightly. Something Jason touched on a little bit earlier, and that's um, more or less player acquisition. Manny, we talked to Jim Callis and other people on the other guys on this show. 
the Rockies are going to be quote unquote draft and develop. Well, we, you know, the develop part hasn't gone as good as it's needed. That to rings pretty the, hollow. The draft days, part. Right? But the draft part, in, in every, in, as Callis pointed out, in every given draft, you're going to get two big major leaguers, two established major leaguers out of every draft. Two. If you rely solely on the draft, you're going to have a 10 year rebuilding pro, pro, process at least. They, you know, Herman Marquez came in a trade from Tampa, or De La Rosa came came by a trade from Milwaukee. They've got to go out, Jason, and find some of these guys who weren't brought up the quote-unquote Rocky way from the low minors and get them into double AA and triple A, let them do what they've been doing successfully and not mess with them. Let them own, let them be their own, their own pitching coach, as you, as you described. And, and let's see, you know, do, do some of that kind of stuff. And that to me is the biggest failing of this organization is player acquisition. They have not gone out. They've relied solely on either high price free agents, which has been a bust or draft picks, which has been minimal. They need to do some of the Tampa Bay style player acquisition. Find those guys you were talking about under the radar guys that you can tweak and make in the big league pitcher. Yeah, and, and we just alluded to the idea of leaning into something, right? Yep. Lean into to being really good at course. I think the Rockies need to lean into being really good at developing position players and then being willing, and this is the hard part for them, at least historically, is being willing to part with them mm-hmm. to acquire pitching. That's a huge hole in their in their strategy. You you said if if the Rockies were dead honest with themselves, they would go, you know what? Maybe once in a blue moon, we we get a pitching guy to to the big leagues. That that's our guy. And we drafted him. Overall, the overall arching theme of of our development in our history has been poor on the pitching development side. So therefore, we are willing to trade a couple of our chips, our prospects, our positional players. And go, I'm going to give you two of these guys for one of your guys or two of your guys. So whatever it is, I'm going to give you an established major leaguer, you know, because I can replace him with somebody and I want pitching prospects in return. I'm going to let, I'm going to let St. Louis in Houston, in Tampa, in New York, in LA, I'm going to let them develop the pitchers. I'll take care of the position players. We'll do this swap and we'll all be happy with that. That's an awesome idea. I mean, we've been talking about that. That, that, That's the way to go about this. They blew it last year with Brendan Rodgers, right, Manny? They could have traded Brendan Rodgers to Miami and got. Oh, yeah. I mean, they had Edward Cabrera on the table there, and that would have been kind of exactly. I mean, Brendan Rodgers kind of graduated from that prospect status at that point. But yeah, I mean, similar concept. He's an established major leaguer, and you have Mm -hmm. pieces behind him that you can slot in. Right. And again, this is where the Rockies in the past have dramatically overvalued players and then held onto them so long that they become yep. invaluable and you can't get anything in return for them. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think yeah. they're afraid of the idea that I'm going to let this player go and he's going to end up being the superstar that I could have had. And That's the thing too. I mean, you went right back to it, Jason. They, it's like, they're always, well, it goes back to where Mark's Marky's defensive. They're always kind of like, they're not, yep. there's always a boogeyman in the room, man. It's either cores or it's this or it's that. And we it's just like, we don't want to, we don't want to mess that. things up. You know, you have to be willing to part with a guy knowing full well that he could turn around and be the best player at his position to ever play the game. And you have, hey, to it happens all the time, right? That if it helps you in the immediate, that is going to allow your ball club to have success. There's lots of other organizations that have mortgaged the future to win now. Right. And they go through those cycles. The mm-hmm. Rockies have always been afraid to mortgage any kind of future. Yep. And the Jeff and the Jeff Breidich, the Jeff Breidich era, the Jeff Breidich era is going to weigh heavily on this team Mm -hmm. for years. And, you know, it's like it's like Bill Schmidt's, you know, trying to turn around a sinking Titanic, you know, and it doesn't happen quickly. 
um, and there are other icebergs out there. So it, it's like, yeah, yeah, right. One it's like it's, at a time. The yep. question is, the question is, are you rearranging chairs on the deck uh, on the deck of the Titanic, or are you actually going to have a chance here? And I think the 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 other question is, how long before we know this isn't this isn't turning in the right direction? Because it takes time think, to get I'll over you, the trauma for, say, for for lack of a better word question. of the Jeff Ryder chair. I'll answer that question 10 days, 10 days from now. It's a trade <laughs> well, deadline. It's a trade a deadline. More deadline. That's when we'll Well, know. I mean, I'm, t- I'm talking about, I mean, the brightest years really left a scar. No question. But 10 days from now, when the deadline comes up, are they going to part with CJ Crone? Are they going to part with Randall Gritchick? Are they going to pro- part with Profar? Are they going to part with Bard? Are they going to part with guys who might go help another team win a pennant? Great, fine. Are you going to acquire those, some some young talent that might be able to develop? wanted by other organizations? Are there playoff teams that need a, you know, a first baseman? Mm-hmm. Or an aging outfielder who's have injury problems. Like, you know, is there a market? Does does somebody want to take the risk on a Daniel Bard, knowing that he's one outing away from going back to the mental institution? You know what I mean? Like that the the value has already ceased for a lot of these guys. They should have traded them last year. No question. Well, it's kind of like the Mustakis thing. I mean, when when they got uh, that that guy, the guy they got in the Mustakis, I think they're. The trade people were thinking, wow, we, they should have got more. No, not really. I mean, no. that was a bonus because well, Mustakis wasn't even on the roster in spring, and it's like or on the radar for this team to make the opening day roster. And so that's a bonus. But on the flip side, what you're saying, Jason, is the guys that you're going to get back, are they even going to be impact players at the next level because of the fact that you're looking at uh players that you're trading for who are aging, who aren't going to give you much, who are going to be rentals to, uh, to some degree. Fourth-tier type players yeah. return or, or money. And you never know. Right. But you never know who's going to turn out and who's not. Take, take a uh, shot. I mean, you gotta, you Dale Rosa was a player to be named and ended up yes. being the greatest pitcher the Rockies have ever had. Yep, exactly. I Absolutely, never absolutely know. right. And if you go out and you acquire some of these arms – if you acquire six arms at the trade deadline, one of those guys pans out, it's worth it. Because the guys you're moving on are not part of your future. We're not well, talking about trading Joe Barr. We're not talking about trading any of those guys. No-pressure situation right. with zero expectations. So it's effectively being in AAA at the big league level. They yep. can go out there and experiment and try yep. things and get a feel for it. And if it's there, it's there. And if it's not, and we'll you got to wonder how many of the how many guys have not panned out just because you place them in situations where they can't have that growing period without the pressure around them. Uh, I'm covering the Dodgers here in Arlington. I, last night, uh, this kid DeLuca made two back-to-back insane catches. He, he made the diving play, then he made the play at the wall. He talked to the guy afterward, and he's just he's, – he's calm, cool, and collected about it. Just, you know, another day at the office, even though he's only been at the office like 36 games in his career. And it's because, obviously, there's a development system there that is the class of, you know, of baseball. But also, at the same time, he's coming into a situation. He's got bets in the lineup around him. He's got Freeman. He's got guys who are just superstar caliber players. I'm not saying the Rockies are going to be that, but when you're putting guys in, like when you when you're putting Tapia in when he was here, when you're putting certain guys into the to the lineup that you expect them to perform, otherwise the team's not going to win. That can be yeah. a problem for guys. No yeah. question. I mean, when a guy wearing number 89 is in your lineup and you're in the the, the Dodgers organization, <clears throat> and then he feels like he fits in with everybody, like he has yep. that attitude. Yep. You know that something at that development level is working. When you can exactly. slot in a triple A guy into the big leagues on that ball, that caliber of ball club, and he just becomes an everyday guy. It's so foreign from what the Rockies do because when you're around the Dodgers and they and you're seeing what the way they act about having guys with that little major league experience in the lineup, 
you're like, it's just whatever. It's cool. We're yeah. good. We're, we're fine. There, there's a confidence. There's an air of, you know what? These guys are going to get it done because we trust our guys from the lower levels in terms of our development. Right. 100%. Always seem to have a rookie of the year candidate every single year. You know, rookie of the year candidate. Or, you know, every, you know it's like that series fantastic. a couple of years ago where they had three walk-offs in three days and they're all rookies and they're all against the Rockies. Right. You know, it was kind of poetic in a, in a yep. weird sense. Absolutely. So, Jason, before we let you go, I want you to talk a little bit about fast uh, player development. Uh, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag too much. I hope none of my opponents are listening because I don't want them to come work with you. But um, I, as Jason said, my pitches from, from my high school, go <clears throat> we go there, uh, have been for several years now. It's fantastic, fantastic program. We're also going to do, by the way, a podcast from your lab, too, at some point. Yeah, let's do it. We yeah, should do a podcast facility there. Um, yeah, fast. I said, you know, I work in the player development realm. That's my, my passion. Um, we don't run teams out of our facility, but we train and work with teams like Mark's group. Um, Mark, unfortunately, I do work with some of the players that do pitch against you. I don't know. Um, a kid from a kid from Colorado Academy could just graduate right now. I'd be fine with that. He might be the most polished left-hander I've ever. Uh, had. He's if pretty darn good. Wait, you guys would be talking about him as a draft pick one day. Yep. Uh, yeah, so we we focus on player development. You know, we use technology. We uh, we effectively communicate that technology to our athletes in meaningful terms that help enhance their performance um, and their abilities as, as a ball player. And so, um, you know, whether that's strength and conditioning, we talk to them. You know, from a holistic approach, strength and conditioning, their food, their sleep habits, um, on top of you know their mechanical issues. Uh, whether it's throwing or hitting, you know, pitch quality, spin rate, pitch movement profiles, those types of things. Um, we're doing all of that. And then my business partners are strength coaches. They've worked in uh, my Joel is, is the strength and performance coach for the Colorado Mammoth. JC worked in uh, ski and snowboard veil for 25 years. And so, you know, he's trained Alpine athletes like Lindsey Vaughn and Michaela Schifrin and, and all those. So our facility is really, you know, bringing together people from, within the industry that know what they're doing. They've worked with um, high level athletes at all levels in all sports at all calibers. And, uh, and we try and bring it all together in one spot. And, and uh, I think we do a pretty darn good job of it. So well, I, I, I'll test to that. It's a fantastic program and beneficial foundational arm strength training. It's not about just throwing hard. It's about learning how to do everything right with your body. Arm, and care, arm care is the root. Arm care is the root of our, yep. of our facility. Yep. We do velocity development. We do use the technology. <laughs> We do bullpen stuff and pitch design, but arm care is the, is the foundation of what we do. I'm a Jager guy. Alan Jager is one of my mentors. Um, you know, we use driveline products and procedures and protocols. We use a lot of Texas baseball ranch stuff. You know, I think over the years I've grabbed pieces from different guys that I feel are valuable and I put them into a program that we call fast. And that program is what we do with our athletes. It's been fantastic for us, and I'm looking forward to more of it this year. I got some catchers I'm sending you this wow. this uh, off season too because they got to throw too. They just need to learn how to throw. That's exactly right. Hey man, appreciate it as always. Great Thanks, stuff, Jason. Good um, stuff, man. We'll see what as happens always. at the trade deadline. If there's more guys for the Rockies to come in here and and see if somebody can get somebody up. But I'm still on board with piggybacking for the rest of this year. We'll see what happens. Right, Thanks, well, Jason. I, I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Talk to you later. Manny, you got a closer for me? Yeah, Jason threw eight. I'm coming in for the ninth. All right, Let's do wrap it. it up. We'll be back right after this on the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. Stay with us. The place to catch all the big game action is at Stoney's Bar and Grill, now with four great locations, including Winter Park and the original at 11th and Lincoln. Great food, great service, and unrivaled game day atmosphere. There's no better place to watch your favorite teams in action. To find out more, check out stoneysbarandgrill.com. We're back with Bruce Hellerstein, the owner of the National Ballpark Museum across from Coors Field. Bruce, a lot of baseball fans probably haven't been there 
Tell them what they're missing. Well, Mark, uh, we're the only museum that is totally dedicated to the old classic ballparks, as well as the history of uh, baseball here in Denver and Colorado. We pride ourselves on being the home of those activities so people can uh, appreciate them. And with respect to the old ballparks, uh, I look at it, not only are they classic and built in location, they are American treasures. How can one think of America without mentioning the Fenways and the Wrigley's, for example? Tell them what they got to do to come see you. Well, we're open regular hours from 11 to 5 daily, with the exception of Sunday. And when we have Rocky home games, we will expand those hours as uh, needed. you got to come see it, Bruce. It's a wonderful place, the National Ballpark Museum on Blake Street, just across from Coors Field. Bruce, thanks. My pleasure, Mark. You know how you can tell that trade season is heating up when the Colorado Rockies make a move? That's exactly what happened Monday when Colorado acquired two top 30 prospects from the Braves, both pitchers for right-handed reliever Pierce Johnson. These things are always won or lost in hindsight. You've seen the sarcastic won-the-trade tweets. But here's an immediate reaction. Two things. First, on its face, this looks like a good deal for the Rockies. Right-hander Victor Vodnik was Atlanta's number 10 prospect according to MLB Pipeline, and right-hander Tanner Gordon was the Braves' number 26 prospect. Johnson, meanwhile, has a 6 ERA on the season. That's an 85 ERA+. Plus. And while he's been better than that away from Coors Field and has shown flashes even at Coors Field while with the Rockies, his road ERA this season is 4.11. That's still nothing to get excited about. Second, Johnson, even if he turns things around, wasn't necessarily a part of the immediate future for the Rockies. He's 32, and the Rockies aren't looking at a competitive club for at least two or three years. I'd give this trade by general manager Bill Schmidt and co, and remember, these things are always won or lost well after the transaction actually takes place, a B plus. Now, the question becomes, what and who is next? Because the Rockies have a lot more work to do before the August 1st trade deadline comes around next week. Still, this is a decent start for the Rockies to a trade season that could prove significant years down the road. Well, at least Manny has stayed healthy. That makes it another successful save situation for the park-adjusted Rockies podcast. Our thanks to former Rockies pitcher Jason Hirsch from Foundational Arm Strength Training in Denver for sharing his ideas. And thanks to you for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.